DJ and PK brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Time to talk with Masters champ Mike Weir now. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Mike, good morning. Morning, DJ. You better DJ? say. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He'll come after you. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> He'll come after you if you don't say hello. So we're curious. Uh, well, we're curious about many things, but let's start with the return to tournament golf in the uh, you know the new world post uh, post coronavirus and all that. You played in a couple tournaments in Utah and Colorado. What's the same and what's changed? Oh boy. Well, the same as the competition. You know, I think you know with fans or without fans. I think once you get it, kind of get on the course and get out there, you're you're competitive. I mean, whether you're playing. You know, ten dollar Nassau with your buddies are playing a tournament. You you still want to win. You still want to compete, and um, so that that the feelings you get when you're playing a tournament are the same, but the you know the energy is quite different. I mean, you you get your scorecard in the clubhouse. There's not a starter on the first tee, or you know, there's obviously no fans. There's no concessions. There's no grandstands. So, you know, when you're playing well and you're and you're you're maybe making some birdies you can really feed off the energy of the crowd um so that's not happening but um yeah it kind of brings me back to when i was starting out as a young pro in my in my 20s of coming out of uiu and playing you know some some events on the canadian tour and some in asia and um mini tours around the country where you're just out there you know playing for a few bucks hopefully to kind of get by and play week to week but there's no fans out there so it kind of kind of has that type of feel to it so does that force you then to have increased conf- uh, concentration and energy those types of things yeah i think so i think you know it's, it's easy to kind of get lulled into being maybe a little bit too casual and um you know not paying attention to details as much um i found so yeah i think you know you do have to bring your your energy level up a little bit more sometimes and um yeah, just, just, just paying attention to details. I think, you know, with the energy of the crowd and everything, it seems to heighten your awareness a little bit more than and kind of what's going on right now. You know, for a lot of people, the scariest thing playing golf is teeing off on the first hole with people watching. Right, he's just like even right. one even one foursome can send people into a tailspin. Uh, right. But uh, and I'm curious how often pros feel nerves on the PGA Tour. For some guys, maybe it's just in Phoenix where the crowds are so big and the behavior can be so untraditional. How about we go with that? So untraditional. And with other guys, maybe it's the pressure of a major or something. How often do you feel nerves on a course, and does that change at all when there's no fans out there, there's no one cheering, there's no one heckling either? Right, right. It, it changes week to week, yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's a real thing. In fact, I remember um, I played uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach one year with Wayne Gretzky, and we were on the first tee, and on Sunday... I was playing really well, so we were in the in the final group playing with Davis Love, and because of our team, Wayne and I, made the cut as a team, he got to play Sunday as well with all the fans and being in the last group, and he looked at me and he said, I don't know how you do this. <laughs> he, was so, he was so nervous. I'm like, listen, you're the greatest hockey player of all time. He's like, I just have to jump over the boards and skate. I don't have to think about the crowd. We're, 
reactive and we're just going. So, yeah, to your point, yeah, each tournament's a little bit different. I still feel, still feel the nerves, whether there's people there or not. And then it gets more heightened at, you know, a tournament where there's fans. It gets even heightened more at a major or I've never played a Ryder Cup, but for me, a President's Cup, when you're, you know, represent your country and your teammates, and there's a, another level of pressure that you're feeling on the first tee when you when you have a teammate to that you're trying to play well for as well. So there's kind of varying levels, um, but I think still right now, guys are feeling the jitters. I mean, I've heard Tiger talk about it. Jack Nicklaus said he's he wants to feel the nerves. That that gets him excited and gets him engaged in what he's doing. If he didn't feel it. He, he knew he was in trouble. So I think we all feel it to some, some varying degree, depending on, on the tournament. So there's been three weeks of touring on the on the regular tour, right? They started down in uh, Fort Worth and, uh, uh, what, Hilton Head and then Detroit. So I've watched all three of them because I've been starving for live sports. And now, as we got past the Detroit one, and DeChambeau won it, obviously, it it kind of became a new normal to me watching without the galleries and you're used to the galleries uh do you think that 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 will be like in the short term for players that this is the new normal so they're going to adapt to it mentally yeah i I think so pk i think guys are are starting to kind of the guys especially the guys that played every week and now they're kind of falling into their own routine with that now and having to, to show up to the tournament a little bit early and get tested um, and every day you go to the course, you know, we're doing all you know, the temperature checks and keeping the distance from the caddies and the caddies having to carry these little, you know, disinfectant wipes to wipe down the, the pins and wipe down the rakes. And, you know, the first week of all that, we, it was kind of definitely bizarre <laughs> to see all that going on. But now everybody, you know, it's kind of just, it's kind of part of the flow and in the, in the course of the of the whole of the of the day, it just seems to kind of flow naturally. And now that I've played a couple of these events, it's it seems like it's the caddies are used to it. The players um, were in the short term kind of dealing with it pretty well, I think. You mentioned Deschambeau, so what do you think when you see him just crush a ball three hundred and fifty yards? <laughs> wow, it's uh, it's probably going to become the norm. I think I think it's just with the way the better athletes that we have out there now and also you know knowing the science behind you know the optimizing your launch conditions um get finding the right golf ball shafts driver heads to maximize what you can get out of it um and now training in a way to to maximize that getting these better athletes in there you're just seeing these golf courses just being bullied around and uh in, in some ways, it's, it's fun to watch, but in some ways, I feel bad for these golf courses, dogleg holes that were designed to play a certain way, and guys don't even look at bunkers that they're supposed to play around. They just send it way over and have little flips into the hole. So, when you jerk, Detroit Golf Club is a perfect example. Traditional, great old club. That's a beautiful traditional layout, but plays like a pitch and putt for these guys. And, um, <laughs> You know, it just—it just. That's. I think that's. We're going to keep seeing more and more of that. You're going to see the the college kids training in a way that, you know, for power and speed. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just see the trend kind of continuing that way. I don't know how they're going to slow it down. That's funny you say about the dog legs because uh, last year I played Hidden Valley. I played with this little lefty from Canada, and he never had any dog legs. He just freaking hit it over, and he landed on the other side of the fairway. And honestly, it was ticking me off. (laughs) 
now just think these guys these guys carry it 50 yards past me. So right, you know what, what they're doing to a golf course um, is, is just remarkable. You know, I can do it on you know altitude here on a shortish golf course, but they're doing it on some, some pretty long golf courses. In fact, this last week where I played in Colorado, the course was over 8,000 yards long. From the tip that had a 775 yard par five where I hit driver three with seven iron, and these young guys are getting it close to the green 770 <laughs> yards all. So, um, yeah, totally, totally, completely different game, even from, from my game. So that seems to me like there's three options going forward, then, Mike. Mike Weir, Masters Champ, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. One, someone's going to build 9,000 and 10,000-yard courses because you're right, the college kids, and this is where the game's going in the next 10 or 20 years. Or can you redesign the older courses, traps, rough, plant trees, and really put a premium on accuracy and put a lot of risk out at 330, 350 yards and maybe less risk back at 290 and 300. Or we all just get used to 20 under, 25 under as winning scores and that's a new normal and and we enjoy it and so what? Yeah, uh, those are great points. I mean, it just depends on, I guess, smarter people than me what what the the viewers on tv want to see do they want to see the low numbers or do they want to see guys struggle a little bit and and lengthen the courses and make i've always believed there should be a premium on on uh, driving accuracy you know make the rough a little bit more penal um some courses will be able to lengthen a little bit obviously budgets and uh, whether they want to do that or not um some some courses are you know land restricted where they can't do it but uh, some of the new courses, yeah, you can lengthen them out. Um, but it doesn't do much for the average player. That's the thing. You, right. you build these really long courses. It really doesn't do, you know, the average player hasn't gained a ton of distance with uh, the equipment. They've gained a little bit, but not not as much as, you know, the training that a professional athlete does to, to get ready is, is completely different. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I have always believed that if you grow some rough, make the greens a little bit firmer, I saw – a quote from Jack Nicklaus, he said that, and I totally agree. You make the greens a little bit firmer uh, and grow some rough. And, yeah, if the guy's really long and he's hitting a narrow fairway, well, more power to him. But don't don't make it, you know, no no penalty if he drives it out there 360 yards and he's 20 yards in the rough and he still has a shot. That should be – he should be in some deep rough. Um, I've always believed for, for tournament golf that uh, there should be a little bit more premium on um, hitting the fairway because out of the fairway you can spin the ball and be able to stop it on a firm green, where if you're in the rough, you shouldn't be able to stop it on a firm green. So, so like the, other, more the other day, Mike, I played with uh, the promontory pro, Ryan Karcher. I'm sure you know who he is. And yeah, Karcher's good buddy. And he had a, he, uh, and he was just awesome. And I watched him play, and his swing was so smooth, right? And it was like it was effortless, but he was just hitting bombs left and right. He was a really good player. And then I look yep. at DeChambeau, who has this really eye view as a violent swing. I haven't, I've only seen it in on television. I haven't seen it up person. I'm wondering how can the body be able to deal with that over a course of uh, the next 10 years because DeChambeau is young enough. He should be on the tour for the next 10 years. Are, do you have any concern about many any type of physical effects with that violent of a swing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's definitely an issue. And 
the time will tell, you know, where when you're swinging at it that hard and, and it is a violent, violent move. You know, he he has a great combination right now of this violent driver swing move, but he, he has some nice uh, rhythm to his irons and uh, short game and stuff. So he's, he's got a good combo of both things going on. But when you're when you're training for speed and trying to increase your speed, the only way to get speed is to keep swinging hard and every week trying to swing harder and harder to get that miles per hour of your swing up. So over time, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if a guy's body holds up because we know and I know that much as I've kind of studied this stuff, I mean, it puts a tremendous amount of torque on your spine, your low back, vertebrae, your hips. Um, when you're when you're swinging at 195 or your ball speed 195, swing speed 130 or something, you know, that's a, that's a lot of pressure on, you know, on your vertebrae and on different joints and ligaments and things. So, yeah, well, it'll... Time will tell here what's, uh, what happens with these guys that are just ripping at it like that. You know, it's one thing for uh, an average golfer to take a lesson and try to tweak something. It's another thing for a pro to really, uh, for lack of a better word, analytics is the word, right, in, in baseball yeah. and in basketball. So how yeah. much are you into – baseball players are into launch angle, right, and they, they get into launch angle, they hit more home runs. When you're talking about, you know, golf and, and drivers and, and maximizing distance and club hit speed, do you get into stuff like launch angles or all this technical stuff that the elite pros are studying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we have these uh – we have these launch monitors. Most of the guys on the tour now carry with them. They travel with their launch monitors, so they're trying to optimize their launch angle, the spin rate, uh, you know, ball speed, attack angle, all of these different analytics that uh, that maximize distance. And they, and they can vary it week to week. If a if a golf course happens to have gotten a lot of rain and it's very soft, and they want to. You know, they know the ball's not going to run very far when it lands, so they're going to try to maybe increase their launch. So they might practice if their launch angle is 15-degree launch, they might try to get it up to 16 or 17, um, which might get 20 more yards extra carry. Might might be spinning a little more, but that doesn't really matter if the course is wet, where if the course is firm, they want to might want to bring their launch angle down, try to get the spin down so when it hits the ground, it takes off and, and runs a long way. So... Yeah, guys each week are tweaking and, and trying to find that, uh, that maximum benefit for that golf, particular golf course that week. So you played in, in Utah and then over in Colorado with the intent of preparing for the senior tour. How's the, how are those plans coming along? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I don't have anything for the next uh, three weeks, the, the Champions Tour. Not, yeah, not the senior tour anymore, PK. It's the Champions okay. Tour. Okay, you're right. My, my mistake. <laughs> I'm kidding. We are seniors. Um, yeah, you know, it was good to play and see kind of some of my, my shortcomings, things I need to work on. Uh, and that's the purpose for me that I wanted to play some of these events to, to see under the gun what uh, what needs to be tidied up a little bit. And for me, I hit, I've been hitting the ball pretty darn good, and uh, my short game just needs some more work. I, I wasn't putting very well, and, you know, my up-and-down games, pitching and putting normally – that I hit some of my pitches around the greens to tap in. I was myself six feet, eight feet. Um, I wasn't very sharp there, so it kind of gave me a heads up on the next couple weeks. This, this is what I really need to work on, and uh, that's what I plan to do the next few weeks is really work on my short game. He's Mike Weir. He is the 2003 Masters champion, and he's gearing up for the Champions Tour. Mike, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys.